When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Good morning and thanks for joining me, Frankie Mackay, for the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner this morning. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Well, it's been a good sporting week and there's plenty more action coming up over the weekend and into next week as well. It's been lovely to see the sun out and the temperatures up here in Christchurch. It's a little bit cooler over the weekend and into next week, but fingers crossed, staying dry for Cup and Show Week. A massive week coming up at Addington Raceway. And this week's Frankie's Five will be Frankie's Five Race Picks. I will let you know... Uh, I didn't win a fortune at the Melbourne Cup though, so maybe take them with a grain of salt. We'll also keep you updated with what's going on in and around Canterbury. Last week we spoke with Canterbury Pride coach uh, Alana Gunn ahead of their match with Capital and she was after more goals and a win and well, she got both. The Pride finding the back of the net twice on the way to a 2-1 win which also keeps our good luck streak going. So any teams out there with big games coming up, get in touch for a yarn. It seems like we, uh, we might be the lucky charms that you need. Fast Five Netball, well, that's in town this weekend, and producer Jacob put on his roving reporter hat and caught up with Ferns defender Ali Timu. Listen out for that about 7.30 this morning. We've also got Richard Nola and Brian Ashby joining me for the Malray Electric Panel. To close out the show, we'll talk All Blacks Northern Tour, we'll talk Black Ferns, and, of course, a little bit of cricket thrown in there as well. There's World Cups going on galore at the moment. Rugby League, well, that just continues to march on. The men, it's quarterfinals time tomorrow morning, 8.30 New Zealand time, taking on on Fiji and the guys should be too strong there once again really and the Kiwi Ferns well they got their campaign underway by crushing France 46-0 couple of absolute spectacular tries thrown in there as well took them a little to hit their stride but once they did well floodgates just opened and they were away the Black Ferns well they'll be hoping to channel a bit of that against France they'll be hoping that's the blueprint they can use against the French in their World Cup semi-final tonight 7.30pm at Eden Park it is going to be a Massive game, huge occasion for the Black Ferns. Hopefully see that place completely full. To set the scene for the match tonight, we're going to start the show off talking rugby, talking Black Ferns with Ricky Swinnell. So let's get to it. Let's get on to that first chat. It's your Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevla Holmes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. Joining me today ahead of a huge semi-final matchup for the Black Ferns is commentator, sports broadcaster, journalist, author. She's done it all, Ricky Swinnell. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. My pleasure. Nice to chat. Yeah, I love it. Uh, look, the Black Ferns through to this semi-final, taking on France tonight. What are your feelings on this one, Ricky? France have never made it to a World Cup final. Can we keep it that way? Oh, my gosh. Uh, do you know, I have flung back and forth all week. If you are, like, Earlier this week, I was, I think France are, are the favourites. Then I sort of swung back to no, New Zealand are the favourites, and it's basically 50-50. Um, France have won the last four um, against New Zealand, including two last year, where obviously that end-of-year tour was, was pretty disastrous, and so much has changed then. But as you said, they've never made a World Cup final. New Zealand has made it five times, obviously. Six times, actually, and won five of them. Um, and they will be playing in front of this huge crowd at Eden Park 
Weather good, which is really important for New Zealand. I, I don't think they would want a wet track at all. So, yeah, look, I, I keep getting stuck between my, my heart and my head, and, and I think my heart always tends to win out on these things a wee bit. So that's why, I, you know, like it's a, it's a massive challenge, but I'm, I'm leaving New Zealand way. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I've been a bit the same. I've been toing and froing. I think Hart really, of course, wants to say Black Ferns. Mm. And, and as you mentioned, you know, France have beaten New Zealand the last four times they've met. What do the Black Ferns have to do to win this one? Can a bit of flair and razzle-dazzle in semi-finals actually overcome what is a, a pretty efficient French side, we've got to say? Yeah, yeah, France, you're right. It's a good word for them. They are efficient. France have got a really good all-around game. I think, you know, they've got a forward pack um, that can dominate a very astute kicker in Caroline Chouan. She can really dictate. Plus, they've got some backs that, that can cut teams up. But, you know, this is such a different New Zealand team. That attacking intent that they have um, and the confidence they have to keep playing it will be such a key factor. Uh, and, you know, that the key for them is going to be, well, as it is in, in so many cases, obviously, parity up front, um, which is where they have struggled against the likes of France and England last year, um, but also winning that breakdown battle. If they can get their ball quickly, um, and if they can get that that backline onto attack quickly, get those flyers, and you know you've got to get Portia Woodman into the game um, as much as possible. All of those kind of things um, that will be really will be key. Um, as I say, you know a lot of pressure, a lot of onus on on the entire forward pack to win that breakdown battle and and, and be really physical up front to get Coxedge and demand good front football to work with. But you know that that style of play, as I say this ability to offload and the excitement that they're playing with. Um, we, we haven't had to see them use another tactic. Uh, and hopefully they won't have to um, tonight. You know, hopefully they can, they can stick with that. But uh, I think they'll probably still have a couple of little things up their sleeves as well. Yeah, I like to hear that. Do you think maybe revenge comes into the minds for players a little, one? You, a little bit? You mentioned that Northern Tour, it wasn't a happy time. Black Ferns have come a long time since then. Is there a little bit of, we're actually pretty motivated to get one over the French here? Yeah, I, I think it's just an all-round motivation. There's actually only, I think it's something like maybe seven of the 23, um, possibly nine of the 23 playing tonight that played um, in that last game late last year. There's been so much change. But in saying that too, you know, I, they haven't needed reminding of it either. So, yeah, look, I, I think it, it, it's more this opportunity. You're playing a World Cup semi-final at home on what's going to be a packed Eden Park. You've got a New Zealand team playing amazing footy against a really good side like what an opportunity that is for the Black Ferns in particular at home so I think it's more that kind of motivation as opposed by anything that that has happened last year. Yeah and and, and England have come out and said that it's been the toughest pull they've ever had to get out of for the World Cup I don't think we can quite say the same for New Zealand is that of any concern (laughs) to you that they just actually haven't had one of those close tough games ahead of this matchup? Yeah, look, that's sort of been brought up a lot, hasn't it, Frankie? And Mm. it's really hard to know because there is such a a gap between these sides. We know that New Zealand has closed the gap to England and France from last year. We know that they're a better team. But have they closed it enough to be able to overcome? That's the kind of thing we don't know because we haven't seen them truly tested. In saying that, you know, Wales pack in the quarterfinal, sorry, in in the group game, they really did give yeah. New Zealand a heck of a time and then they fronted up again in that quarter final and they demolished the Welsh pack that first 30 minutes against Australia where I think the, the occasion and everything overwhelmed them they've experienced what that's like now and I think that could be really important going into the semi-final you know they know what it's going to be like when there's 
the expectation, the crowd all in their favour and, and the emotion of the occasion. So look, there, there are, I think it's the back three that hasn't been tested. We haven't seen them under pressure and had to uh, you know, really force anything out. And I think there's going to be a lot of onus too on Stacey Flula and Teresa Fitzpatrick in midfield because the French midfield, they are just defensively so strong. Um, so yeah, look, I think there is probably a little concern about that test and all that lack of test and saying that they give it to each other at training. So that probably helps a bit as well. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I think it's a great <laughs> midfield pairing. I, I really like the way those two operate together. Renee Holmes back in the side as well. And do you like mm. the look of this, this lineup that the Black Ferns have named? Yeah, I think this is this is the best option. Um, look, you know, Ruby Tui is an incredible, wonderful player. I'm not sure she's an out-and-out fullback though. Um, mm. And that, you know, Wayne Smith has openly said the reason for picking Renee Holmes, putting her back in at 15, is because she is the fullback. She reads the game well, and they want to try and negate some of that kicking game of, of Caroline Shuan, which, you know, Wayne Smith has said she's probably the best attacking kicker in the world. So the way that Holmes, you know, has that understanding at the back, she's a pretty cool, calm head um, as well, and and. I also, what I like about Ruby Tilly going back to the wing is she's a really busy winger and I think she has found more, finds more ways to get herself involved when she's on the wing, whereas at fullback you've got so much of that tactical side, the covering and all of that to do. So it gives maybe Ruby a little bit more freedom as, as well. So, you know, I think that's a great call. I mean, Fitzpatrick and Flula, brilliant, really tough on Amy Duplessis, who has done absolutely mm-hmm. nothing wrong. Like she is wonderful in her own right, but Fitzpatrick is just playing Oh, as good as footy as I've ever seen her play. I mean, I've often thought she's probably one of the most underrated players going around, and I think now everybody knows. And I and I think the other thing too is maybe when the sevens players came back into the side and there was some questioning whether that was the right thing to do, we've underestimated the connection that they have. You know, Stacey Fleeter mm-hmm. and Teresa Fitzpatrick are best mates, let alone having played rugby together as professional players, some of them for 10 years, you know, Portia Woodman, Sarah Hillen, they've had 10 years together. And there's a real innate understanding that I just don't think, you know, other teams can can, can have like those players do. Yeah, it's interesting because you wrote the book, Seven Sisters, and, and spent a lot of time around that group as well. I'm sure it's come to, to absolutely no surprise to you that they've just slotted back into 15s like they've barely, you know, missed a step. Just how good are these guys and, and how much is that big game experience going to help them in the semi-final? I think that's really important. It's a really good point you make. You know, these are, are players, I mean, not only what they've done in sevens, remember that Hidani, Flula, Woodman, they were all in that 2017 World Cup yeah. side. You know, they've won, they've won a 15s World Cup as well, but talk about pressure situations. You go back to the Olympic semi-final against Fiji, which they had to win in, in extra time. And, you know, Stacey Flula, huge influence in that. Sarah Hidani, exactly the same. So, um, yeah, I, look, it's no surprise to me. And I, I can understand a little bit why there would have been some angst in, in some quarters. Um, you know, they've had a massive schedule as well. But it's easy to forget that these that group of players have been professional rugby players for the best part of 10 years now. I mean, at, at varying degrees, and it's obviously increased probably since Rio, but, you know, that, that has been their full-time job to be rugby players for that amount of time, which is just, as I say, so invaluable. Yeah, and I just think they're brilliant. I mean, I watch them play. They just look like they have so much fun out there. It looks, I, yeah. I think any sports person looks at them and thinks, man, I want to be a black fern. Heck, I, I sit there and think, oh, is it time to put the boots back on? And then I think, no, 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 no. no you, you, no, you're just going to get hurt. That'd be silly. But I, I love the way they play their footy. And, of course, there's another semi-final happening as well. There's England. Uh, they are, they've been have been very impressive. Can you see them getting tipped up by Canada or are they just marching on to win? I think it's number 30 in a row now that they're chasing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, look, I, I can't, and that's I'm just trying not to make that sound disrespectful to Canada because I think you know they've got a good team, and I, and I actually think they've probably got, if not the best, she's certainly one of the best in the world at the moment, and their captain Sophie De Goody. She is just a wonderful rugby player, brilliant leader. Um, their, their forward pack can probably match and get some parity with England, but I don't know if they've got, you know, that I mean nobody else has got a Portia Woodman, but I don't know if they've got those attacking threats that will really harm. Um, England's defence, which is incredibly well organised, they all know their job, um, and and all of those kind of things. So you know, England um, look very sharp, don't they? They know their game well, and yes, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, um, but you know, it's winning rugby games, and if it wins them the World Cup at the end of this, then then so be it. So look, I think it'd be very, I mean, it'd probably be one of the greatest upsets in rugby history if Canada can do it, but. You know, I'm sure what they say, what is it? Today's a great day to create history. Yeah, exactly. No better time like the present. So we're picking England to go through. We're picking, look, we're going to say that the Black Ferns, they're going through as well. We've got to follow Hart here. Are you picking a low-scoring arm wrestle of a match that comes down possibly to a drop kick, which I have heard the Black Ferns have been practising, which really it warms my heart, or are we going to see a bit of a high-scoring match? No, I think I, I think New Zealand's got too many points in them, and I think their, their attitude would be, well, you know, you'll score how many, but but we can outscore you. The thing that hasn't been talked about is how good New Zealand's defensive. They've got they they miss the fewest tackles of anyone on average per game in this tournament, so they can match it. I, look, I'll give you the neutral observer, Rachel Burford, who's a former England international who is here with us in commentary. Uh, she said to me yesterday, she said the, she thinks the Black Black Ferns score a couple early, uh, France drop their heads, and New Zealand and go on and win it. So there we go. That's the neutral. That's, that's, that's the good observation. Awesome. Well, there you have it. That is exactly what I want to see. Hopefully we are on the money. Hopefully she's <laughs> on the money as well. And look, I'm sure we'll take a win however we can get it. But thanks so much for your time today, Ricky. It's been awesome. Enjoy the match. Have a good call. And uh, go the Black Ferns, eh? Yeah, thank you so much. And I yeah, hope everyone everyone enjoys this game. It's going to be a ripper. Yeah, wonderful. That was commentator Ricky Swanella, head of the Blackfern semi-final, and that was your Canterbury Rugby update, brought to you by Kevlar Homes, helping build the future of Canterbury Rugby. Kevlar Homes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. What's going on in Canterbury? Well, there is plenty this weekend and into next week, that's for sure. Canterbury Cricket, will they continue their Plunkett Shield season taking on Otago at home, a top-of-the-table clash at Hagley Oval. Starts today, 10.30am is first ball. Leading run scorer in Tom Latham taking on leading wicket-taker in Jacob Duffy. It's a contest absolutely not to be missed. The Mochicarara fireworks, well, they're on tonight from 5 o'clock as well. The big talking point, Fast Five netball back in town, 6 world-class teams playing at Christchurch Arena. High energy, high excitement. It'll be a great weekend and hopefully New Zealand can continue their dominance in this format. They've won seven out of the nine, which is pretty phenomenal. And for a little bit something different, the Bra Ride and Stride, Sunday, 11.30am, raising funds for Breast Cancer Foundation. That's at Hagley Park. So get on to that if you want to. And of course, next week, it's the week we have all been waiting for. Cup and Show Week. We all love a day off, but we all love a day at the races. The Good Oil crew, they'll be down in the Garden City from Tuesday to broadcast all of the action. The weather looks good, so tune in, get along to Addington, and looking at today, Rickerton Park hosting the 2000 Guineas. Make sure you tuned in to Louie and Mick just after us at 8am to hear them preview the day, find out where the money is to be made. It's New Zealand's favourite race week, Addington Cup Week. It is just around the corner, November 8 and 11. Tickets on sale at addington.co.nz. You do not want to miss out. 
It's time for Frankie's Five. Yeah, Frankie's Five, everyone's favourite time of the show. This time I'm going Frankie's Five Tips of the Week. Now, I will preface this with I am not a millionaire post the Melbourne Cup, so don't come for me if these tips aren't aren't a sure thing, aren't a get-rich-quick scheme, but here they are, Tuesday at Eddington. Number one, I cannot go past copy that. Big race, IRT New Zealand Trotting Cup. They've had good lead-in wins, front-line draw. It's all looking good for the defending champ. But if you want to have a little look at a sneaky trifecta, which you know most of us do, self-assured and a rock-and-roll do could well be in the frame here too. So that's where I'm putting my money for the trifecta there. Number two, I'm heading to race five, the Alabar Junior Free-for-All. The Republican Party has to be a leading prospect here. They showed their staff with a massive win in Ashburton. So I think for me, they look like they're going to be hands down too good there. But if you want an outside chance, well, it's Coralie Star. That's where, if you want a little smoky, that's that's my money there. Number three, we're heading to race seven, three-year-old fillies over 2,000 metres. I really like the look of Queen of Diamonds. Not the greatest draw, but uh, worth a shout there, I think. An upset chance, Dance Till Dawn, cracker of a name as well. So those are my two there. Number four, it's race nine, the Woodland Stud Sires Stakes Series Final. And what a mouthful that is. Don't stop dreaming. The clear favourite here. They are going to be an absolute runaway. But have a look at Sherlock, and I do not mind the look of with style. So check those two out. I have to give a wee mention here. Frankie Major, also in the field. I'd probably, if it's me, put some money on that. On name alone, of course, but I'm not recommending that's where you put your life savings. That's for sure. And number five, race one, just to get you into the day. Time up the hill. Real outside chance in that one. But, I mean, everyone loves a bit of a punt first up. But I really do like the look of I Dream of Genie. I think it has hit form just at the right time. Couple of good wins. October's been a good month for them. So I think that's the place to start. Race one, it's going to be a huge day at Addington Tuesday, of course. Friday, races as well. Show day, we love a day off. We love the day at the races. There you have it. That's Frankie's Five for another week. We'll talk about it next week if I'm absolutely on the money with my picks. Otherwise, we will never, ever mention it again. So time for a quick break here, and when we're back, we will hear Jacob talking Fast Five with defender Ali Tamu. Welcome back to the Canterbury Sports Corner, and it is Jacob on the mic instead of Frankie. I know you'll be thinking, um, where's Frankie? But she's right in the Canterbury studio, don't worry. Um, but I've got Ali Timu, uh, Silver Fern 183, with me on the line. G'day, Ali. How's, how's your day been? Hi, um, really good, actually. We had a little look at the venue this morning for um, uh, Fast Five this weekend, so we're lo- really looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, Fast Five down in Christchurch, um, the 5th and the 6th of November. Uh, get down to the ground. Um, Ali, I just want to talk to you about your debut real quick um, for the Silver Ferns earlier this year against Jamaica. Um, how's, how's, how's the transition been from the ANZ Premiership to uh, the international team? Yeah, it was pretty cool to um, debut. Uh, obviously, very exciting time. Um, Big step up from ANZ, but I think ANZ definitely preps us well for that international season. And it was nice to have a few um, familiar faces in the team with Maya and Mila and um, Taylor. So that helped it as well, you know, playing with my Stars girls and then playing with them in the Silver Ferns dress was pretty cool too. Yeah, that's right. Um, Also, the coach of the Fast Fives, Deb Fuller, I believe. Um, And you've got a good connection with her? 
Yeah, Dib's awesome. She's full of energy. Um, she loves the game and she's very passionate about the game and um, just wants the best for us. So it's really cool working with her and um, picking her brain when we can. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I've noticed that there's only been there's only three girls that have played in um, a Fast Five tournament before. Is this sort of like a bit of a stepping stone to the international game? Do you think or um, is, are there like specialist players that play only fast five or are there, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there's specialist players that only play fast five. I think it's just a good way to get um, a different version of netball in. And um, it's awesome for some of us girls who haven't played a lot of international netball to um, come up against different countries. I think that's going to be a great opportunity for us. And I think it will help us further into our careers um, looking forward into the Ferns environment. But yeah, I think... It's definitely a bit different to normal netball and a lot faster and a lot more tactical side to it. So it's going to be awesome to just learn, um, do that as well as playing some cool um, international players. Yeah, that's cool. I bet. Um, like you're a defender. How's how's defending in fast five change between um, like the ANZ Premierships and Silver Ferns International compare to playing in the yeah. fast five? It's pretty. Um, it's a lot more thinking. I I think because um, obviously there's three pointers, two pointers, and the uh, the ones, and then you throw on the power play at the end where they can score double points. So uh, just a lot of thinking. You. It's weird when you go back to playing actual proper netball and they're trying to get close to the hoop, but here some of the shooters want to shoot from the two. So just trying to keep them out of that area and then work with our centers because there's no wing D really as well. So. It's a lot of thinking, but it's really, um, really fun. So I'm looking forward to playing. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, yeah. So how does like preparation change leading up to a fast five event compared to um, normal netball? Yeah, I think um, because we also have three games a day, which is something that we're not used to. It the games are quicker and um, there's rolling stuff. So I guess prep is just being ready for um, your chance on court when it comes. I think it's going to be very fast and. You'll be on for only maybe two minutes and then you can come off and have a look again. I'm just prepping and just being ready to come up against different styles of play also. And like I said before, just making sure we have a good um, tactical way to play, especially in the power plays. Yeah. Are there any sort of, like speaking of the power plays, are there any sort of like tactics to it? Because I know in cricket, there's um, there's been like throughout the years of um, T20 um, and power plays and ODIs there's been like sort of changes in ways that teams use the power plays. Are there any anything similar like that in the Fast Five? Yeah, there's. Um, I think we've talked a lot about trying to, us as defenders, trying to keep our opposition out of the two and three points because that's four, if they score those goals, that's, that's four points. So it can get them up on the board quite quickly. And for our um, shooters, just to like go to post and confident to shoot. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a shooting game, I guess, and... Um, for us, there we just got to go and get the ball. We don't have time to um, hang out and wait for it to come to us. So, yeah, it's going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of, have you been practicing any three pointers? Do you reckon you could step up if um, <laughs> the time called? Oh, um, we do play this game called buckets at the end of the um, our little like training runs and stuff, and it's where we shoot the ball from the three point line. And I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I think I'll be a very good shooter. And I used to shoot also, and I wasn't the greatest at it either. So I think I'll stay in the defense team. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Ellie. No worries. <laughs> that was Ellie Timu, Silver Fern, number 183. Uh, we'll be back right after this with the panel. 
Right, we're into the home stretch now, which of course means it's time for the panel, proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. Well, joining me today, Brian Ashby back again and Richard Nola. Guys, welcome along to the show. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, Frankie. Nice to be on board. Righto. Let's start with the All Blacks. It is always such a big talking point. Let's let's have it, Richard. Your thoughts on that match against Japan. I've I've got to say I thought Japan were pretty good, but uh, I've also got to say I think the All Blacks were they were pretty average. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's start with Japan first and give them the praise that they deserve. Um, they were innovative. Uh, they're enthusiastic, full of energy, and I mean, clearly it's a credit to the team and, and obviously a credit to their coaches. You know, New Zealanders, Jamie Joseph and, and Tony Brown, uh, they were just everything we probably we wanted the All Blacks to be in many ways in, in the way they showed their tenacity and determination. And I, I was pretty disappointed with that effort from the All Blacks. Um, you know, up 21-3 in the first spell, you, you know, we, we saw some pretty good tries there. And... Um, Looking on from here in New Zealand, you thought, well, here we go. It's going to be showtime. And you got the feeling, and with the benefit of hindsight, that's possibly what the players thought because uh, the the way they they lost concentration and focus and um, their tactics, which I I thought were questionable, was pretty disappointing, especially from guys who had plenty to prove. Um, It was just something that we didn't want to see, and it sort of reflected the All Blacks' year this season. It's just been such a yo-yo exercise. Mm. Uh, you put all the dramas aside around Ian Foster and you know hanging on to his job and everything like that. The All Blacks are just, for me, have just not fired consistently. And this is where this Northern Tour is going to be so, or the remaining part of the Northern Tour is going to be so important. You know, starting obviously in, with Wales and Cardiff, you just expect a lot better. And and for me, you know, just to finish up on this topic before you probably hand over to Brian is, I just want to see the All Blacks put something out for 80 minutes. And I want a decent, not a decent, I want a game plan that is convincing. I want to see the All Blacks be innovative. I want them to, to be able to shift the ball in contact quickly and, and look for space because that's what the Japanese did. And they scored some terrific tries. And that probably had the fingerprints of the likes of Tony Brown all over it. Um, yeah, so plenty to prove in Cardiff and lots of improvement required. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, a little bit, I mean, the performance itself, Brian, was, was a little bit concerning, but is there a little bit of concern as well that actually I saw a lot of column inches dedicated to the loss to Argentina and the discussions around Foster and it almost felt this game against Japan, yep we got away with the win but there was just it felt like there was a lot less care about it and is, is that a concern on the back of, of the way the All Blacks are playing? I think we're almost conditioned to um, to average performances from the All Blacks at the moment unfortunately um, how good Warner Dunes incidentally for Japan, wow that, that, that was... Uh, that, that was pretty special. But, you know, I, I, concerns that have been there all the way through, really, are still there for me. I'm, I'm not convinced by the loose forward mix at all. The only one that sort of really excites me is Adi Savir. Um, Richie Moonga remains an enigma at test level. We know what a wonderful player he is but uh, and, and what a great strategist he is, but we're not seeing it consistently at, at, at test match level. Look, going back to you know, what I just said about being conditioned to it, for me, a loss to either Wales, 1952-53, I think, the last time. Scotland, never lost to them. For me, that's that's the end of Ian Foster. It has to be. We've, we've been conditioned to... We've had, we've had so many firsts in this era. A loss to either of those sides, I, I, I think, for me, is, is fall-on sword time. I, I'm, I'm disappointed with the All Blacks. So I, you know, in fact, I actually... Um, 
I, I watched I watched Black Ferns, um, and then I watched All Blacks. Um, I, I just I'm I'm just really struggling to. They're just not capturing my imagination at the moment. Yeah, they've been a, a frustrating watch, and, and I think possibly Ian Foster he hasn't maybe enamoured himself with the public as as ones would have liked. But yeah, it's an interesting time ahead for the All Blacks and. Um, Richard, you, you made mention of, of the coaching staff of Japan and what a good job they've done and, and the style of rugby they're playing. What did you make of the little uh, Jamie Joseph jibe at the All Blacks that the, the Brave Blossoms were looking forward to testing out their game plans on a, a better side? Yeah, yeah, and, and also making the fact that when he played with the All Blacks, uh, they, when he was a member of that team, they went out in the field knowing that the other team, even before the ball had been kicked off, that the other team feared them. And then he basically said that the All Blacks have lost that fear factor. Uh, and it's a fair statement from just what we've seen this year. And Brian you know, reflected on it earlier with his statements, just with the, the defeats we had, the first ever loss to, to Argentina, first, you know, a couple of losses to, you know, the historic losses to Ireland in the domestic series. Um, it is a worry. Uh, Jamie Joseph at the nail on the head. Um, if you wanted to perhaps have a wee bit of a conspiracy theory or look deeper down the rabbit hole or just look at it in a wider context, is he sending a statement out for when he and Tony Brown will surely have a crack for the job after the World mm-hmm. Cup next year? Um, and he probably was saying what we're all thinking. You know, this all-black side, they, you know, what we've seen this year, they are no longer, you just don't know what you're going to get. You know, though, it, it's the, the inconsistency... Um, I don't think it's that people have lost their care for the team. I think um, absolutely they follow the Orbics and, and they want them to succeed, but there's an element of frustration. Like, if they lost to Wales on Sunday morning, would anyone really fall off their stall after what was seen earlier this year? Probably not. They would probably roll their eyes and go, well, should we be that surprised? I don't think they will lose. But I have said that earlier this year. I did not think they would lose to Argentina and Christchurch after the epic win in Johannesburg. I mean, who would have predicted that? It's, mm. it's just sums up their season, really. And I, yeah, and that, this is the thing with Ian Foster. He has to find a way through this. He has to get them to be consistent. And that's the job of the head coach, to get them up for every game and to be performing as we, all, we expect of the All Blacks. Yeah, and, and now, of course, without Brody Retallick as well, he's, he was shown the red card and then a ban of, of two weeks. Do you think that was worthy of two weeks, Brian? Oh, look, you'd put yourself in that situation and the way these things are being ruled, you know, you, you're dancing with danger, aren't you? So I'm not mm. surprised. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is, really. Um, and it is unfortunate because I think the best the All Blacks forward combination has worked this year was when uh, we had Scott Barrett playing on the blind side, you know, but he's yeah. been forced back into the into, into the middle row now. So... Um, you know, he, he, early on, I, you know, I thought he was very effective in that role, but various sort of circumstances have conspired against that sort of, you know, pretty much happening again. So, yeah, it is disappointing. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Retallick and Sam Whitelock are still tremendous players. Are they, are they still the same players they were a couple of years ago? Probably not. And I think the disappointing thing for me is that guys like um, Patrick Tui-Piloto, uh, uh, Tupuvai, they, they're not... They don't, you know, they're not test starters. Tui Pilotto's been around for a long, long time. Um, but the ch- there's no real hardcore challenges banging the door down to say, pick me for the second row. You know, and it, it's, it's been a long, long time that those guys have been our, our leaders in, in, in that second row. And I think 
Yeah, that's probably one of the disappointing things about the tight five uh, at the moment is that you know we've got a pretty good starting side, but but it's um, it's those beating the door down. I think the front row. I think they've worked effectively on that since Jason Ryan's come in, and and I like what I'm seeing there. And you know, where they'll be in 12 months from now, I think is is quite exciting. But the second row, I think that's um, you know that that longer term um, and, and and crystal ball gazing beyond the next World Cup. You know, it, it's. I think it's a little bit concerning. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with you. And Sam Whitelock, of course, he's got the he's got the captain's armband back on. He's got that over Ardi Savier, and I can only hope that's to allow him to to just free up and get back to playing his best rugby as well. But do you think, uh, Richard? Do you think we're gonna, ever going to see him on the open side, or or is he just he's stuck at eight, even though there's no Sam Kane around? Uh, I, I think we've seen Ian Foster nail nail his colours to the mast. Uh, around the subject, um, yeah, I personally would love to see Savia back at number seven. I can understand why they have it at eight, and you know, it gives them opportunity to attack more from the base of the scrum, get his hands in the ball. I, you know, you talk of Sam Kane, and you know, obviously, he'd, unfortunately for him, he's had to return home with those with a cheekbone fracture. Mm. But I, yeah, I remain unconvinced that he, he's their best number seven going into the World Cup next year. And look, I have no doubt in my mind that if he's fit. He will go to that tournament because that's who Ian Foster is stuck with. Um, personally, I'd rather I'd rather see have Sevilla there, and I just even watching that Japan game and just uh, in, you know observing Sam Kane's play, you know he he put in a good solid shift. There's no doubt about that, and I would say there's no doubt that his peers respect him. He's a good guy, uh, but like his teammates, he didn't play the house down. Um, mm. And you look at that and you think, was that a performance where you really needed your captain, perhaps if he played out of a skin, to pull the group together so they could put the Japanese side away? Well, did we see that? Probably not. Um, but we know from history, we know from what we've seen this year with Ian Foster, um, even in terms of with him, uh, with Kane being replaced in the latter quarter of the tests we saw earlier in you know, you sort of think that that's pretty unusual to take your skipper off, especially when things are going down to the wire. And Foster being unrepentant, there's no doubt he's going to stick with him through the World Cup. I'm convinced of that. Do I think it's the right tactic? No, no, I don't. But um, that's the way forward and that's the way they're thinking of it. And the other side of all says I'm bloody lucky to have Artie Sevier, you know, that he is still playing the house down from number eight. That's that one thing. He is, that guy is dynamite. Um, and, you know, you talk about the tight five, but you talk about the back row as well, getting that mix right and... What a loss he would be if he gets injured next year ahead of the World Cup. God forbid that you know you don't want to even think about it. But he is such a vital asset to the All Blacks forward pack. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he's massive. And and talking about injury, I guess um, Dane Coles injured once again. That those calves playing up. He's gone home. Cody Taylor with the start. How important is this tour for for him, Brian? Because I think Takiaho. I think he's been the the form hooker. Uh, going around, how how important is this for Cody Taylor to actually say, no, I'm I'm back on the horse, I'm back playing Test match level footy, and, and I deserve to be in the number two jersey. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Tokiaho is, is, is clearly the man at the moment, and uh, uh, but you know, I think that the yips that we saw from Cody Taylor, I think he, he's certainly not playing to the level that we've seen in the past, but he's he's not playing as badly as we we saw uh, the, the you know when we saw him sort of get dropped uh, and so on, so. Um, he, he'll be fine. He'll be there for the World Cup. I'm excited about George Bell uh, and the All Blacks 15. He's somebody that I, I you know, gosh, he, he's really going to be something. Uh, that young man, Dane Coles. I'm, I was puzzled 
when he was re-signed for as long as he was by New Zealand Rugby, given his age and the injuries were starting to creep in, um, he is limping towards a World Cup. And in my mind, I don't see him being there in 12 months from now. Um, he's, he's, for me, he's kind of um, the Ali Williams of days gone by, except on the wrong side of a World Cup, if you know what I mean. This time it's going in instead of coming out of the World Cup. Uh, so, you know, is this the last we've seen him? Probably not because of the way he's contracted next year. But, you know, the challenges are there. Um, obviously, Brodie McAllister has played well for Canterbury. Um, Bell yeah. is, is is a wonderful player. Um, and, 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 and Taylor and, and, and Tokiaho, I just don't see a need for Dane Coles given the development of these, these other guys that are, are knocking on the door, unlike in the second row. Yeah, that, that is fair, and it has a little bit of the feeling that Father Time is, is creeping up on Dane Coles. But, Richard, what do you make of this this um, side that they've picked to play Wales? Are there some, some talking points in it? Do you like what you see? Are there some, some different faces maybe you would have liked to see in this game? Oh, yeah, well, the notable one, of course, is um, Geordie Barrett at 12. So, um, you know, clearly in, the, in those, those last couple of tests against the Aussies when he, he had to shift into to number 12 in Melbourne and then he started at Eden Park when they needed to win to nail the, the rugby championship title. And he was, he was excellent uh, at Eden Park when they sumped the Aussies. Um, but this, you know, with David Harvili back, um, and obviously two of us are sheik's been sent back to the All Blacks 15, uh, this to me... I, it was a real indicator that Foster is looking ahead to the World Cup. And despite his curious comments earlier in the year when he didn't seem really overly thrilled when Jason Holland was playing Barrett at 12 for the Hurricanes in Super Rugby Pacific, he, Foster's clearly come around to the idea that, that Barrett could be the linchpin of the, of the midfield. Uh, and, I, and I understand why. Given his performance at Eden Park against the Wallabies, for starters, and secondly, he's such a big guy and... He runs hard at the line. He uh, he has a physical presence because of his height, and there's also that ability, that offload ability, for runners either side of the shoulder. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's tough on David Havili because I, I was sort of hoping to see him get more of a chance to you know work on that combination he's got with Rika Ioani, and obviously you got Anton Leonard Brown as well. But to me, that's that's the big talking point. Um, I, I like the fact that Bowden Barrett's at 15. I'd have to say that. Um, uh, Richie Mawanga, you know, he, obviously they have this dual playmaker tactic that they can use between Bowden and, and Mawanga. And, uh, yeah, I really want to see Richie Mawanga step up in this game. Um, you know, up and down, isn't it? You, he, can, he can be terrific in some games. And then, I, yeah, I, I was pretty... Yeah, I, I expected him to be a lot better against uh, Japan and Tokyo last week. I uh, I think this is his, he's really going to have to step up in Cardiff. That, to me, is a talking point. And the other one is that Probably just without going through the whole side is Shannon Frizzell at, at number six. Um, again, I, I know Foster rates him highly, um, but to me, the real race for that number six jersey is going to be next year when Retallica's fit. Um, you've got the option of Scott Barrett, obviously, and then, of course, you've got Ethan Blackadder who's going to come back as well, and uh, everything he brings, just the energy and aggression he brings as a number six option as well. So, yeah, I, I think this is a big game for Shannon Frizzell. You know, I'm actually quite a big fan of him. I, I like when he's on fire, he offers so much, you know, especially being a line-out option and also just a, a power hitter on both sides of the ball. But again, he's just that consistency. Um, so, yeah, I, I, when it would come kick-off tomorrow, he, he is one guy, along with Mawanga, I'd really like to see uh, fire on all cylinders. Yeah, there's a few with a point to prove, that is for sure. Brian, come back to you. Black Ferns, what's your, what's your prediction for a big semi-final against France? 
Yeah, I, look, I, I'm looking forward to this in so much as, um, you know, a strong challenge, stronger challenge up front. Um, they're going to go to the final. They're going to have to beat the, the you know, and, and win this world title. They're going to have to beat their best forward pack in, in world rugby, women's world rugby in, in, in England. So um, they're really going to have to step up uh, in, in, in this one. They haven't really been tested majorly to this point. They're, clearly there have been improvements and they're enjoying playing together and are playing with a real sort of freedom and so on. But you know, the old cliche about it all starts up front, um, that's what it's all about this time around in a semi-final. Uh, I think they can get the job done. Uh, I like what I'm seeing from them. But, you know, we, we know that the French are, are pretty useful in the win-loss records. Um, there's, there's not a lot in it, sort of tipping it in the, the, the Blackburn's favour at the moment. So, uh, yeah, look, very, look very much looking forward to this. And how about the cricket? That's, that's the other thing. Brian, I've got to manage to shoehorn that in somehow. Can the Black Caps go all the way? Um, well, you know, T20 is, I, I've only, it's taken me years to warm to T20. I'm a, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, really, and I, I never really was a fan of one-day cricket. I love test cricket. So it's taken me a long time to warm to T20 cricket. Yeah, they can, um, because, it, you know, it, at times, it's such a momentum game um, in, in, in the, the, the shortest form. Um, I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from, I, I really enjoy, always enjoy India, and it's great seeing Virat Kohli in there at the moment. Pressure on, uh, ridiculous pressure on, Kane Williamson, there shouldn't be. He's Kane Williamson, and uh, you know, like I say, it's a it's a momentum game, and he'll, he'll you know be his magnificent self in, in in the blink of an eye. Can they go all the way? Yeah, of course they can. They've started the tournament well. We bit of a blip against England, um, but you know you'd you'd expect that with this many games in the tournament somewhere along the way. So I, yeah, I think they are good enough to get the job done. Yeah. How about you, Richard? We've seen upsets galore in that T20 World Cup. You think there could be a few more coming up, and and maybe the Black Caps could be the ones lifting the cup. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know, to be honest. There have been so many upsets. Um, you know, you, you turn the TV off and you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and you, and then you look at the results and you sort of think, how has this happened? I mean, yeah. to me, it, it you know, really sums up T20 cricket, doesn't it? The, just the, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. Uh, New Zealand, can they? Yes, they can, but plenty of other teams can as well. Uh, just on the Kane Williamson thing, a terrific player, an absolute great player, no doubt about that. Um, but we need him to speed things along, get it going, because New Zealand is certainly going to need the likes of him to get that run rate ticking over a lot quicker. Uh, I'd just like like us to see to even get in the final. It's a bit like the Black Ferns, really, isn't it? I mean, if they can get into the final against England, what a terrific occasion that would be for New Zealand rugby, not just women's rugby, for New Zealand rugby to, to have a showcase like that at Eden Park. And the same with the Black Caps. If they can get into the final, you know, especially at T20, anything's possible. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's it. You've got to be in it to win it. Well, thank you both so much, Brian Ashby, Richard Nola. Outstanding to have you both on for a chat. Looking forward to hopefully catching up again soon. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, people. Wonderful. Cheers. Thanks, guys. That's the panel done and dusted for another week. And that's about all we've got time for here today as well. Thanks for joining me. It's been an absolute blast talking all things sport. We'll be back same time, same place next week. We will catch you then. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.